0: I hope your new year is off to a good start. Uh, You know, we've had a couple days. We had uh, some time with my extended family, which was great. And then uh, Sherry and I got away for a couple days alone up in Wisconsin for a whole lot of nothing, which was very relaxing and a little perspective and uh, a wonderful little respite. And uh, I had some time to reflect and I came away with a couple big ideas. The first was, wow. Uh, do I, and I think I could say do we, have a lot to be thankful for? And the second was that I had to pull my head out of the weeds. Um, I posted a few articles on this on my blog, so for the three of you who read that, you know a little bit about what's going on. But even that is not enough if you've read it. Um, I, I want to I, I ask you uh, to look up today. I want to. I want to suggest that we um, that we move beyond just surviving. Um, I have been in a survival mode. Um, I had my stroke um, eight months ago, right at a time when we were in serious conversations with Crossroads, and right during a time that I was supposed to be writing a book for the Fall series. And I came back, and it was all just. Right, I was so far behind, and it was just deadlines and problems, and that was about all I could, all I had time to look at. And uh, there's more out there than that. And in th- these last couple of weeks, sort of reminded me that we have got to look up, uh, and we've got to, we got to get some perspective, and we have got to keep our wits about us. Um, and and I'm just bold enough today, just confident enough, just stubborn enough to give this message a title like How to Win in 2015, which um, I don't do titles like that. They're too um, naive and simplistic, and plus the web is full of that stuff. If you want eight steps to this or five you know, pathways to that or three tricks to a new you, you can find all of that online. And in fairness, some of the stuff in those articles is really good, um, Everybody this time of year is going to say some of the same things. Look, if you've got a goal, if you've got a change you want to make, if you've got some aspiration for 2015, you know, focus on it, break it down into little steps, get some accountability, and get started. And some will even go beyond that and say, look, you overestimate, we overestimate what we can do in a year, underestimate what we can do in 10. They offer some insights. Um, so I don't, want to, I don't want to knock them. But it's not generally my style to be that sort of uh, simplistic. Uh, But today I want to be a little simplistic, and I want to say, there is a way to win in 2015. But we have to understand some things. Um, A long time ago, shortly after we were married, right after we graduated, I graduated from uh, Trinity. We went up to Michigan for uh, a weekend to stay with friends, um, uh, friends of mine. His dad had, his parents had a, a cottage on the lake. And so we went up there for a couple days, and it very rustic. And uh, one night we decided we were going to play cards. And so we're, the four of us were playing cards. And my friend in particular uh, was not doing very well. And I kept having to remind him, it's, it's your turn to go. It, Tom, it's your turn to go. Tom, come on, you know, you're up. And then I'd have to keep correcting him. No, you can't play that card because you got to follow suit, right? And so about 20 minutes into the game, he says, what's Trump again? And we're like, both Sherry and I are just about to jump out of our seats. Diamonds! Diamonds are Trump. He goes, no, 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 no. I mean, like, what's Trump? What does that even mean? And uh, I thought, well, that explains your card playing for the last 20 minutes. You don't have any idea what we're doing here. You don't don't have a chance to win if you don't understand some of the basics. And so I want to talk today about three of the basics that I think uh, we do well to keep in focus as we head into 2015. The first one is uh, our assignment. So if you are a Christ follower, if you've stepped over the line, if you have made Christ your Savior, if you've put your trust in Him, right, you've participated in what, the, uh, in what the theologians refer to as the great exchange. Out of Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, he talks about the Father made him who knew no sin, that would be Jesus, he made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf, that the righteousness of God might be ours. And so there's this great transaction that takes place when we give to Jesus our sin and we accept from Jesus. Uh, his righteousness. So if you've made that transition, uh, then you have been called uh, and confirmed with an assignment, right? We have a responsibility. The expectation that God has for us is that we are going to participate in advancing his kingdom, right? Now there's a day when Jesus, who came as a baby, will come again as a king. And it, this whole, the kingdom of God will, will take steps forward in ways we can't even imagine. But today, right between the advents, uh, the assignment that we have is to be agents of advancing the kingdom of God. And the kingdom, big, heady theological concept, the kingdom of God can be is simply explained as... That realm where God's will is done, where Jesus' ethic and model is embraced, right? So our assignment is to, is to live and love and serve in ways that, s- that see the kingdom of God grow. And that certainly implies in our own heart, but it also implies to other things, right? We are, we are to talk about. The offer that Jesus extends to everybody. Right? He came uh, in order to, to die so that we could be reconciled. Let me back up a half step. God created a good world. But it's not a good world any, any longer. Evil and, and sin have made a mess of things. And we saw that in 2014, right? I mean, Ferguson and and war and ISIS and... and, and Ongoing poverty and Ebola. I mean, there's a lot of brokenness in this world. So, God promised that he was going to fix that. And he made that promise right after sin entered the world. And throughout the Old Testament, that promise, the the, the resolution of that took on greater shape and clarity as he continued to make uh, prophecies about who who was going to come. And then... To, to quote Paul in Galatians 4, in the fullness of time, Jesus arrives. And Jesus arrives with an assignment. He, he's going he's to show us how it's done. He's going to teach us what we need to know. He's going to be that, that example. And principally, he's going to die Uh, ...in our place. He's going to be the perfect sacrifice, the Paschal Lamb. Behold, the Lamb of God, John says, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Because Jesus is perfect, and because he's God, he is going to be able to die a substitutionary death. And that's why, uh, because everything hinges around the death of Christ, that's why we're going to come to the communion table again... ...this morning, to remind ourselves of our desperate need for Jesus and his death... So, so Jesus starts this work, and he leaves us with an assignment. Right? He leaves the church with an assignment. And the word church in English gets used a lot of different ways. It gets used to refer to a building, right? You see the church they're building down the street. It gets used to refer uh, to an event. Are you going to church This weekend. It gets used to refer to a some sort of organization, right? I I made a donation to the church. There's a 501c3 group that's got officers and all kinds of staff and a mission and a purpose. And it's also used to describe a community, right? A group of people who are gonna walk through life together, encouraging one another. To love and good deeds. They're gonna to meet together on a weekly basis, as as is the custom that was established from the early church for worship, for prayer, for the for instruction in the apostles' teaching, for the sacraments. Right. So the, the Jesus left the church with an assignment. And those four different ways that the word church gets used uh, are can be a little confusing. Most people immediately get that when we look at the New Testament. The word church is not being used to describe a building because they didn't even have buildings for the first 300 years. And it's not being used really to describe an event. It's being used to describe both a movement, an organization, and a community. And the the community, right, we are a community on mission. We have an assignment. The church does not exist as an end-all. It is a means to an end. The end is the advancement of God's work in this world. Right? It, we, the church the, the church has, it's best not to think of the church as having a mission. It's best to think of God's mission having a church. We are here to fulfill an assignment. We have uh, we have been called, to certain things and you know when I was um, shortly after I came to faith right late in high school I went away to college and when I got to college I got involved in campus ministries but I was pretty uh, focused on my studies because my intention was to go to medical school and be a doctor and after about six months I the first time I had somebody come up to me and say, you know what, I don't think you're supposed to be a doctor. I think you've been called to ministry. And I said, no, 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 I'm not doing that. And uh, then, you know, uh, this person kept every so many months would say, wow, I'm really pretty convinced that you have been called to go to, to pastor a church. And I'd say, no, 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 no. I'm not interested in that. And uh, for about 18 months, I just kept saying, no, 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 I'm not interested in that. I'm going to go to medical school. That's why I'm here. Uh, I'm not interested in in being a pastor. And when I finally sort of faced that call, and there was a real specific point uh, halfway through my sophomore year where I I suddenly realized that uh, I, I needed to listen to this. And it felt like the way of the world going off my shoulders. It really was a big confirmation moment for me. But I realized that what changed was that for the first time I had been around, uh, and I had been around Christians who, were, who, had, a, who, who were, had some clarity about what they were supposed to be doing. When I had come to faith, I grew up in a church that, that really just got a whole lot of the basics wrong i never heard the gospel what i heard was moralism what i heard was be good that's what i got every week be good be good be good god is watching be good you don't want to do that right that's going to be displeasing to god be good and and i just was like i don't want any of that and plus the best i could tell we met at church in order to raise money so we could pay for a building where we could meet. I'm like, is there a point here anywhere other than I've got to go to this building on Sunday morning and be told that I need to be better, right? I wanted nothing to do with that. Well, there are lots and lots of of Christ followers and lots of people who grew up in the church who... <laughs> you know, they don't get the assignment. (laughs) They don't understand one of the very first things. They don't know what Trump is. They don't know what we're trying to do. When I finally got around somebody that could say, no, 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 Mike, this isn't about you being good. In case you haven't noticed, you can't be good. You can't keep the law. One of the purposes of the law is to show us that we fall short, right? These are God's standards. We I mean, we not only can't keep God's standards, we can't keep our own hopes and aspirations. We can't keep our own resolutions through January, let alone to December, and just be better people because we just decide we're going to do it. When somebody finally explained to me that, that the good news was not that I was supposed to be good, but that God was loving and it provided a way back for me, and he said, When you get this, then the assignment is to go share this good news with other people and to live and love and serve in the ways that Jesus has set before us. Then I finally said, okay, now that, that's something I could give my life to, right? That's something that has ongoing meaning. Our assignment is to proclaim the good news and engage in good works to the glory of God. Uh, Many people get that wrong. So the first thing we need to understand, our assignment. The second thing we need to understand is uh, our setting. Uh, Lots of football games going on right now, some very exciting ones. If your college team uh, played in a bowl game, I hope they won. If they didn't play in a bowl game, obviously they were horrible because there's like 40 bowl games uh, right now. And then there's, of course, the NFL playoffs. And, and I, I watch some of, uh, some of a lot of different games. And, of course, one of the first things that you've got to figure out when you look at a football game is the score and then how much time is left. And if you're a player, or certainly if you're a coach, right, the setting shapes everything. If you're ahead in the fourth quarter, you run the ball, right? The whole idea is to just get rid of time so that you can end the game. If you're behind, then you're in a hurry-up offense, right? And you're probably throwing the ball because you've got to get points on the board. Your setting changes everything. I I emphasize this because the setting today is different than it used to be. And there there are some Christ followers who continue to act like we're living in Jerusalem and we're not. We're living in Babylon. Right there and and it's very different. Now, I should back up and say uh, I, it's it's up for debate just how Christian the United States was in its founding. Clearly, I think those who say we're a Christian nation overstate the point. Likewise, I think those who who try to completely diminish the Christian influence try to overstate their point. The founders of this country established the separation of church and state, but they were clearly guided in their vision, in their framework, system of checks and balances, all of that, that was informed by deep Christian and, and Judeo-Christian beliefs and structure. So I, I don't want to suggest that you know the United States used to be Jerusalem or that it was the promised land. I don't want to go there. But I do want to say... Uh, there are some people who are acting as if um, this is sort of the promised land, or that we uh, should be able to f- enforce our rules and we should just we should have greater clarity or that we still do have greater gravitas in this country than we do. Uh, the fact is things have changed, and I suspect that in the future in the relatively near future that things are going to get harder for those of us who want to to walk closely and advance the kingdom of god i think we're probably going to lose our tax exempt status i think we're going to lose some religious freedoms i suspect we'll get sued over certain things um not the end of the world by any means not the end of the world uh christians around the world have have operated under those frameworks for hundreds of years, and the church has grown. So I'm not. this is not the sky is falling, woe is us. This is just a, <clears throat> look, it's a different day, and uh, we're wise to just be wise, eyes open when we head into this new day. It, what, what we really need is a little bit more exile thinking and a little bit less Exodus thinking. These are two paradigms we get out of the Old Testament that carry over into the New Testament. So Exodus thinking, uh, which comes out of the book of Exodus. Right, uh, the Jews are, are slaves in Egypt, and then God sends Moses. And uh, there's a clear bad guy, Egypt. There are good guys, God's people, the Jews. And uh, God's people are in slavery. The motif is they're going to move from slavery to freedom. And uh, their assignment really is to get out of Egypt, right, withdraw, Uh, be on your own, be a little bit of a holy huddle. That was the assignment in 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 one sense in these early Old Testament days. Well, fast forward, they get out, Moses leads them out, they get the law, they establish Uh, their community, they take some of the promised land back. We read about that in the book of Judges. And then they want a king, and so we go into the period of Saul, and then David, and then Solomon, Uh, and the kingdom grows and becomes powerful. And then it falls apart, right, splits after Solomon's death. The northern tribes overrun by the Assyrians, and we don't hear from them again. The southern two tribes last longer, but in 587 B.C., they are captured by the Babylonians. And they are taken into captivity. And we read about this in books like Daniel. And uh, we get some of this from Jeremiah. And we get uh, prophecies about this in Lamentations. Or the books of Esther and Nehemiah are talking about this exile period. And then at the end of the Old Testament, of course, they returned from exile to rebuild a little bit of what they had had. And that's where the Old Testament ends. But there was exile thinking that was given to them that was very, very different than Exodus thinking. Okay? In exile, right, they've been taken to Babylon. And Babylon, in one sense, is the bad guy. But in another sense, they're not. Right? They are be, the Jews, the people of God, are being purified by this trial. And so this isn't, about, and it, this isn't about Babylon being bad and you've got to run away. Quite the opposite. In Jeremiah, Jeremiah is, a, is one of the major prophets. And Jeremiah uh, writes the book of Lamentations sort of looking ahead to the fall of Jerusalem. He's lamenting the fall of Jerusalem. But he also, he also prophesies about when they're in Babylon. And he says something that, that is just unthinkable. For a Jew, because for the Jew, you know, Jerusalem was the epicenter of the world, and the temple was the place where God resided, and it meant that they were altogether different. And and they always wanted to get back to Jerusalem, and they always wanted to get to the temple, right? So, Jeremiah writes, and he says this in Jeremiah um, 27, uh, beginning with verse uh, 4. He says, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon Build houses and settle down. Okay, don't try to run back to Jerusalem. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. So there's a, there's this understanding, and it gets developed more by Jeremiah, and of course it gets developed much more by Jesus that says, you got enemies? Love them. You got enemies? You got people that are lined up against you? Bless them. Love them. Serve them. Very different thinking than Exodus thinking, which is, right? You should win. God is going to punish them. You're going to get your freedom. Globally, the church has understood itself to be in exile. In the United States, the church has generally understood itself to be in exodus. Right, That we are the promised people living in the promised land. And we have rights and privileges that come to us. And I I want to say, look. There's some, of that, there's some of that thinking, Exodus thinking, that is s- still true today. Because there is a promised land that is coming. And things are going to get better. right? And we are going to get greater freedoms. But there's no promise that that's going to happen on this side of the grave. There needs to be more exile thinking. We need to understand um, what we are up against. Because the setting shapes what you do. Right. so in order to win we've got to understand our assignment we also have to understand the setting in which we find ourselves and uh, so I am emphasizing that point and um, saying things may, things may get hard for Christians in the West that's uh, unpleasant but it's certainly not the end of the world as a matter of fact when, I, uh, when, when Sherry and I lived in Washington State, which at the time was the least churched state in the United States. So there's quite a bit of antipathy towards Christians. Uh, some open hostility, uh, especially on a college campus. Our experience was that that little bit, I, I can't say persecution, but that little bit of, of harassment, that little bit of flack and hardship that came because you identified with Christ, actually led to a much sweeter time of communion with other Christians. Right? There were some real upsides. There was some clarity about what was going on around us. And, and so I, I don't know how this is going to all unfold, but, but I, I just say, you know, it's the start of the, of the year. We're looking out ahead. I just want to say, heads up. Uh, I think it could get harder, and that's okay. <laughs> it's, it's not the end of anything, Right will be fine and that leads to the third point we need to understand that if things get hard that that there's some purification going on and some good that can come out of that the third thing that we need to understand in order to do the right things and win the game is that God wins okay number one we we need to understand we need to we need to shape what we're going to do in 2015 in light of our assignment to proclaim the good news and engage in good works to advance the kingdom of God. Secondly, we need to think about 2015 in light of our setting. We got to think a little bit more exile less exodus. The third thing we need to understand and just keep front and center is God wins. Good will triumph. Those who stand with God Will persevere, right? You and I can win as well, and and that is because of God's graciousness. And read the book of Revelation, right? I mean, it's so many people get so wrapped up in that book, looking at the wrong things, focused pretty exclusively on trying to set dates and times and all that stuff. No, the big picture of the book of Revelation is that there is this celebration that comes with the victory. When, when Christ is crowned. Genesis 1 and 2. First two chapters of the Bible. Everything's good. Breaks in Genesis 3. It's broken all the way to the last two chapters of the Bible. Revelation 20 and 21. Where, where we get a vision of things restored. And the Lamb of God is crowned. And there's a big banquet in heaven. Right? God wins. His will will be done. And knowing that should shape how we live. So, let me bring this to a close and prepare us for communion by doing, just uh, a l- saying a little bit more. Max Dupree uh, famously said that the first job of a leader is to define reality. I've tried to do a little bit of that for you, but I'm not principally a leader. I'm, I'm a pastor. And as a pastor, my assignment is is to encourage and instruct and call you to live in light of the reality of God, to live in light of eternity, to to live in light of uh, of our assignment and the win of God. And so um, I want to say to you, live in light of these three truths in 2015. Do not lose sight of the fact that we have been called and commissioned, we have an assignment, that there is a setting that we find ourselves in, and finally, that God wins. Right? If, if you can keep those big ideas in front of you, then I think that's going to shape who you are and how you think about things uh, more. And uh, what would it look like to do this? I, I mean, I certainly think that it calls on us to be a little bit more strategic about how we use our time. And that was one of the big takeaways for me from this stroke was like, oh, wow. Uh, time is short. My life is sh- is shorter than I, uh, you know, I sort of knew it, but I didn't really get it until you go, okay, the opportunities are now, and I need to take advantage of them. And Alpha, one of the things that that, uh, that Jamie set up, uh, one of the things that, that we've talked about here is we try to make the proclamation of the good news as easy as we can. And that means... Um, Inviting people to come to church, inviting people to, to come to Alpha, to the kickoff dinner, right? Uh, we just got some, some statistics in that suggest that when you look at Christ church compared to all of the churches, <clears throat> we don't see nearly as many people get invited. The people who get invited, we hold on to many more than most churches do. But we don't get people, <laughs> we don't get people inviting people in the first time. That's where we just continue to be behind. So I want to say, look, I promise you, in light of eternity, right, every act of service, every act of love, you are going to be thankful for. Every invitation, every way that you are praying for others to come to faith, looking for ways to strategically invite people forward, you will be thankful for. Well, I could go on. Uh, 2015 is a black blank canvas right now right you can make of it whatever you want to i want to encourage you to to think about 2015 in light of your assignment our setting and the and the certainty that god wins right so we don't have to live in fear right we don't have to panic right god wins we know the end of the game uh just be settled in light of that and bring some of the boldness and courage that 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 ought to bring to the way we live in a broken world today. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, uh, I pray for us, pray for myself, pray for others, pray for for us as a church, Lake Forest Campus, um, Highland Park, the 01, Crossroads. I pray that we could see a little bit more clearly uh, the setting that we find ourselves in. We could understand a little bit more uh, specifically the assignment, the opportunities that we've been given to make a difference in light of eternity. And uh, I pray that that the courage that ought to come out of the certainty that you win would motivate us, encourage us, to, to be bold, to be loving, to be gracious, to not look for all our uh, advances to happen now, but to have that big eternal perspective on what is going to matter. Uh, and we pray these things in Christ's name. I'm going to come over here. We are ready to transition into communion. And this is a great time to go back and to make a point that uh, I made earlier. Christianity is not about being good, in case you haven't noticed. Thank you. In case you haven't noticed, we can't be good. In case you're still being uh, feeling a little bit proud that you've kept your, your resolutions so far all the way into January 5th, let me... Let me bet against you and say, I don't think that on December 5th you'll still have kept your resolutions consistently through. We can't. We're broken. We're broken at a profound level. Our will is too weak for us to simply push ourselves to be better. We're broken all the way through. The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so we come to this table to celebrate again the death of the one perfect person whose death can happen for you. The payment of Christ's life can be applied to your life. Someone is going to pay for your sins and mine. It's either going to be you or me or it's going to be Jesus. I would encourage you to make it Jesus. And so we come to this table. It's an open communion table here at Christ Church. You don't have to be a member of this local congregation to participate, but you do have to be a Christ follower. Your trust has to be in Him, in Christ, in Christ alone. And so um, we're going to I'm going to pray in just a second. We're going to distribute the elements, take both the bread and the cup, hold on to them and then I'll come back up to lead us as we collectively uh, participate. So let me pray again. Father, thank you for your great love on clear display as we come to this table and are reminded that in the fullness of time you sent your son to die Uh, you sent him to 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 live and he did lord jesus we thank you that you perfectly kept the law though you were tempted in every way uh, as we are you were without sin and then you willingly laid down your life uh, dying so that we could live thank you Uh, thank you for that lord jesus in spirit of god meet with us now Um, Help us to see ourselves a little bit more clearly. Help us uh, to be reminded of our sin. And if there are relationships we need to restore, if there are sins we need to confess, bring those to mind as we prepare our hearts to come to this table. We pray this in Christ's name.